When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the West End of Sport KPR podcast on the back of a busy 10 days or so for the club. Um, the transfer window closed last Thursday and it proved to be an unexpectedly busy few days for Rangers. We signed four players in Isaac Hayden, a long-time target for the club on loan from Newcastle, Republic of Ireland under-21 captain Joe Hodge from Wolves and free agent Lucas Anderson, who joined after the deadline, uh, a former Denmark international attacking midfielder who up until last week was on the books of Allberg. Uh, a club that was formerly managed by Marty Sifuentes. Uh, striker Michael Frey also signed ahead of the Huddersfield game um, from Belgian side Royal Antwerp for a nominal fee uh, with four players shipped out on loan. Andre Giselle, the most high profile, joining Birmingham following what can only be described as an underwhelming two and a half uh, years at the club. Uh, but on to matters on the field, Rangers followed up their last gasp but vital draw with a with Huddersfield um, with a hugely important and well-deserved 2-1 win at Blackburn, the first time they've won at Ewood Park in 25 years. I'm joined, as ever, by a man who's actually on the score sheet that day at Blackburn, Kevin Gallon. So, Kevin, that was a, a really big win, wasn't it, on, on Saturday? Very, yes. Very um, important win, uh, excellent win, good performance. I'd say we deserved... Um, Deserved the three points on the balance of the whole game, um, considering the poor performance against Huddersfield, which I wasn't expecting after, you know, uh, even though we lost against Watford, I thought we played well, uh, had solid, solid uh, win against Millwall. And then the, the Huddersfield game, I thought was very poor. I think one of the, you know, one of the poorest displays um you know, especially since the new manager, but also um, this season, uh, and so to pick themselves up, the, the players and the, the whole squad, and to, you know, to go to Blackburn and pick up three points in a confident fashion was, you know, a bit, it was surprising, but very welcome considering Huddersfield uh, won their big game, uh, six pointer against Sheffield Wednesday. So the gap's still three points, which, that can that can change in a matter of a couple of games with a couple of wins and you know they them losing or so very important win and, and well deserved. Yeah, I mean I was actually quite impressed with Huddersfield against Rangers. I thought they they did a job on them. I thought they probably deserved to win, albeit they had lots of corners without ever, without ever looking like they were gonna score and um you know ironically the best two chances to win the to score fell to Rangers with uh, Sinclair Armstrong should have scored really from that cross from Ilias chair and then uh, Kenneth Powell kneeing one into the top corner in the uh, you know deep into injury time and you know it, it felt underwhelming at the time but I think you know you, you look back on it and think you know that could potentially be a crucial point because you know as you said many times on here before if you can't can't win just make sure you don't lose and 
you know, the, the gap, you know, and then, and then with, with, with the win over Blackburn as well, I think it kind of drags them into it as well. They're kind of, yeah. I mean, I have I, there at the moment. Millwall, Millwall are, are dragged into it as well now, and they're not on good form at all. Um, but going back to the Huddersfield game, that, that point, you know, it was an underwhelming performance, but that point could be crucial because if we had lost that game against Huddersfield, we know what would have happened. Um, you know, six points is, uh, you know, it can be, um, get you can clasp it back or grab it back. But psychologically, if you'd have lost that, if we had lost that game, it, it might have been, you know, hard to take. But, you know, that knee into the top corner, hopefully at the end of the season will be a vital goal for us and uh, and us staying up. But, yeah, I think there's a few teams now um, are sort of being dragged in. And um, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting uh, last two, three months to the season. And uh, it's all to play for. And starting on this Saturday against Norwich, you know, it's a big opportunity to to get something out of that game as well. Yeah, just look at the league table here now, actually. And, you know, Stoke are right in it. You know, Rangers play Stoke next week. Um, I think Birmingham are down there, but I think they, they spent a bit of money. I think, you know, you, you imagine they'll probably get out of it. And then, you know, Blackburn, look, you know, they're a real sorry mess up there at the minute. You know, the player they were going to sign on deadline day, that's all fallen through due to a technical error by um, the administration staff at the club. And then, I mean, Swansea are the teams to watch for me. They're getting, they just seem to be in horrible form. And, you know, the new manager in there hasn't really had the bounce. And you got, as you mentioned, Millwall, who are kind of... Well, I think it's everyone from Millwall down, uh, you know, Millwall will be looking over their shoulders. It's five points from bottom three. And, uh, you know, I'm not... I, I, I actually think, you know, looking at the games this season, the teams that QPR played, I, I wasn't... I haven't been impressed with Millwall at all. Uh, even in the game they beat a certain Boxing Day, you know, it was very even. And then we we were the better team against um, them a couple of weeks ago. But also Swansea when we when they came down here, I wasn't impressed. Mm. You know, I think they're in it. And Stoke, even though Stoke, I thought played well when they had eleven. Yeah. 11 I was quite impressed with them. I thought, why were they down there? But you know, something is not right at Stoke over the last few years. They've, been, they've had some poor seasons, and they can't seem to get it going. So I think it, I think this is you know there's there's about six six teams in there who potentially uh, could be in that bottom three. Uh, I guess the attitude has to be, just don't worry about everyone else, just win your games and... No, no, I know, and I, I don't I really like talking about other teams. I'm just talking... I'm just mentioning it because it's, it's a good it's a good uh, discussion, but you have to just concentrate on yourselves and, uh, and you know, you go, and, you go into every match and you, you need to pick up some sort of points, but you have to really concentrate on yourselves. And if you get yourselves right... You should get out of trouble, um, but you know it's, it, I think it's more of a fans thing where you um, you're looking at other teams and see what they're doing. And I've had this conversation with my son, and he said, "But if they lose and we lo- we win," and I was like, "Yeah, I know what you're saying, but we got to win. Don't worry about them. If we win and we keep winning, we'll be all right." Well, my daughter keeps saying to me, "Well, at least we're top of the bottom." <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. So yeah, there's a good one. linings. Yeah. <laughs> But it's all also it's a case of with this, but you know, the manager and the players and whoever and the staff should be just talking to the players as if to say, just concentrate on your own game, concentrate on three points every time you play. And when you do that, you'll be all right. 
Yeah, I mean, to front is just like a point. He always says, you know, you need to be humble, be humble, be humble, and you can celebrate the result and then just move on from it. You can't kind of, and I think that that has something they they've been guilty of. I think in um, early in the season they've had a good win and then not been able to back it up. Yeah, you know, the performance against Millwall wasn't replicated in the performance against Huddersfield, was it? So, no, it's a case you, you you don't you don't follow up for a good win yeah. at Blackburn with by phoning it in against Norwich. Yeah, I think over. I don't. I like don't like over celebrating. Um, I don't like over celebrating when you win, and I don't like like being too down in the dumps when you lose because you can play really well and lose a game, and you can play poorly and win a game. But you know, you got to sort of stay on that level of you win, you go up a little bit, obviously because you're everyone's delighted. You lose, you're down a little bit. But if you win and you go too high, it's always about the next game. And if you lose and you're too like depressed or you lose too much confidence, that ain't going to help for the next game either. So you've got to stay on the level as much as you can. There's going to be little little bits of ups and downs, but not like that and that. So win your games and just move on. We're in a situation where we win on Saturday. We won on Saturday. Now let's concentrate on Norwich at home. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, firstly, Isaac Hayden, I don't think he needs that much introduction. He's a player that... Um, I know former director of football Les Ferdinand was very keen to sign back in 2016, and they nearly had him. But he, you know, he chose to go to Newcastle from from Arsenal, which is you know fair enough. And then when he went to Norwich on loan last season, um, they were in for him then, and it, it, they didn't get him, which probably turned out to be a blessing because he spent most of last season injured. So you know, given the amount of injury injuries alone he's had last season, it probably was a good thing. But I mean, on the outset, I think he's a good signing. I think he's. Well, he's a solid. He's a solid player. He's um, he's got experience of higher level and uh, championship. Um, the only thing I was, you know, when you you look at his, um, I think he's played sort of maybe fourteen games, maybe in the, in the last year and a half, year and a bit. So you always got to worry about the, you know the injury record and uh, can he come into the team straight away and play ninety minutes? Can he come in the team and play? You know, three games in a week at a good level, considering you haven't played that much football. And, you know, you, you come into a team and you come to a new club and your energy levels and you're, you're up, do you know what I mean? Because you're buzzing. And but then it's after a couple of games when you sort of, you know, that's when you're, when you know, when you're, you're sort of not flatline, but you understand you're high, high as a kite at a new club. You want to impress, you're all buzzing. And then after three or four games, can I can can I continue this? So he's a solid, solid um, uh, defensive midfielder who's played at you know the top level with Newcastle. So hopefully he can stay fit. And if he stays fit, I think it'll be a good loan signing. Yeah, I think I think the good thing about it is that he's not expected to come in and start every game, isn't he? Because you've got Colback Field, Hayden. Uh, sorry, Colback Field, um, Dixon Bonner. Can all play in that centre midfield role, so you just need. I mean, Colback never seems very far away from a booking, not the Sam Field, and also you know Colback's age; he's prone to picking up little pulls on that. So you've got that kind of extra body to come in and just do that really important role in the middle of the park. Which you know, but Sam Field being out. I mean, he's out again Saturday. He missed two games due to the ban. So it's good that you can have someone you know who's of a similar type he, of part come in and do yeah, that job. That, that that job is needed, but he, he can. He, I think if you look at his. Um, his past record, he can play centre-half mm. and he can play right-back. And so there's a bit of versatility there as well as, um, you know, 
with Sam Field being injured and Colbert, like you said. So, you know, if an injury to Reggie Cannon or they might want to go a little bit more solid at the back and, and play a bigger man if you're playing against a team for set pieces and stuff like that, he can slot into the right-back um, role as well. So, you know, hopefully he's, he, he's, he stays fit and hopefully he's fit enough to play when, when he's needed. Yeah, and then um, Joe Hodge came in from Wolves. Um, he's a player, I've got to be honest, I've, I've only seen little cameos. I've covered Wolves three or four times this season in games and um, he's come off the bench sort of two or three minutes towards the end and, I, you know, and it's only really from what the brief is. I've seen him in playing for the Republic of Ireland. That I, but, you know, my, my good friend who covers Wolves for the Express and Star rates him very highly. He's very highly rated at Wolves and you know, they've gone from, from Man City. He was... Released by Man City in the eyes of many at the club, there he was voted their scholar of the year in the academy in 2000 or uh, 2021. No, sorry, 2000, 2020, Um, and then end up at Wolves, but um, has a great fine impact off the bench Saturday, wasn't he? What a finish that was! That's kind of yeah, we haven't seen know, from a QPR player for a long time. It feels it was, um, and uh, from what I, I've heard from other uh, people. He's more of a sort of a closer down, defensive sort of type midfielder, you know, getting about the pitch, uh, winning uh, loose balls. And I don't think he's known for his goal scoring from what I can gather, but I have to say what an impact off the bench. A great finish and it ends up as um, the winning goal. So he'll be absolutely buzzing. Um, and there's nothing worse when you're a young lad, 21 year old, and you're trying to you're trying to make your way in the game and, and Wolves... You're at Wolves, a Premier League team, and you can't get into that team. And all you want to do is play first-team football. And now he's got this opportunity to play in a championship with QPR in what is some really like exciting games for the club because we're not mid-table. We need to win matches, and and it is it is one of those. Is it's going to be some exciting games that are coming up in the next two months because we're desperate for points and. He's going to be involved in that, and it's be a great education for him. And uh, what starts his QPR career? Fair play to him. Yeah, and then uh, Lucas Anderson, uh, you know, seven caps for Denmark, attacking midfielder, um, long hair, so he sort of fits the role of a playing making midfielder. But um, he was the same sprinters had him when he was in managing in Denmark. Um, I mean, he's another player that's had a bit of a checkered injury past, but. Um, I mean, the big question is, can he take a corner? <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> well, let's get him on the pitch first, but um, I don't know anything about him, to be honest. So we have to wait and see. I, I haven't, you know, other than who he's played for. And he's obviously the manager knows him and the manager trusts him. Um, and uh, he's, he was a free transfer. Is that right? Their season's over. Yeah, he's all but relegated in the last Denmark season, which finished probably three months ago, I think. Okay, so... His contract was torn up, so he was eligible to join Rangers. That's another interesting one. He hasn't played for three months. Is that right? Yeah, it's winter in Denmark in Scandinavia, isn't it? It's, it's, you know, this season. He'll need a few games to get up to speed. I would say he'll be coming in as a more of a an impact sub or as a sub at the moment to get him up to up to 94 minutes in the Championship. is a tough, tough... Um, Tough league when you know you play Saturday, Tuesday. So don't really know much about him, but other than um, that, the manager knows him and he obviously trusts him. And and him and him and um, Tommy Fleetwood have never been seen in the same room. 
that, that is very <laughs> and uh and finally um a striker kev you got a striker finally he's been calling the a for a long time they have a striker but yeah it's only um, taken three he's um michael frey who's a swiss swiss striker who's played in germany this is kind of in your wheelhouse you'd have seen him play i've actually seen him play, yes. have you have you scouted him in your in your role at yeah. yes i've seen him i've seen him play uh big man um he will need i think crosses into the box mobility not brilliant but he's a big fella i think uh, if you put some good delivery in the box he'll go and attack it uh but another question mark over, he hasn't played, yeah. he's, he hasn't started a game for a year, so it's going to take him, unless, I don't know what his actual fitness levels, but I always do believe that match fitness takes a little bit of time because you, I'm stating the obvious, but to get match fit, you have to play matches. So, and he hasn't played 90 minutes since March of last year, but I have seen him play and he's a big fella. And uh, if you get the right balls in the box, he'll attack it. But he ain't going to be one who's going to be sprinting into the channels and outrunning um, the opposition centre halves. Can he hold the ball up? Yeah, he's a big lump. He's he's aggressive. He's um he's a handful. He ain't easy. I wouldn't say he's easy on the eye, but if you put the ball in the box, I'm sure he can um, get on the end of things. Because that has been a problem for Rangers, you know, not being able to keep make the ball stick up top. Is that someone who can come in and sort of? Yeah, I'm sure if you get the ball in it off, is it? I'm sure because of because of his sheer frame that he'll be able to hold the ball up. Yeah, and I I agree. I mean, there's been a lot of times this seasons where this season and last season where I've saw the the strikers, um, you know, Linda Dykes and you know I, I expect more with, more from him with his his link up play and Sinclair Armstrong really yeah, that's another part of his game that he needs to improve and he is getting better. Where Sinclair Armstrong wants to run more into the channels and. And chase and stretch the opposition defenders. Uh, this Michael Fry will be more of a, I'd say, more of a target man. Uh, he ain't going to be running like Sinclair Armstrong into the channels, but he'll be trying to pin the centre halves and and get hold of it, lay it off, and and get in the box. And but that's that's what his strengths are. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it. You know, he's not going to be out of start. I would imagine just purely from what I saw of the Blackburn game. You know, he looked like someone who hadn't played for nine months which is you know not not a knock on him it's obvious you know if you haven't played that long you're going to be you're going to be very rusty so but i mean it's just having we just have an option off the bench just someone you can throw in from the sub bench well, as a forward it just, the thing it's is, just yeah, yeah. you haven't had well, is it i was thinking I was, I was thinking about this the other day and, and where qpr i think you got when everyone's fit i, I think you got 13 14 you know good good championship players but you always sort of look to your bench. If you've got a strong bench, you know, it's, it's vital. Players get tired, players are a little bit out of form, players pick up an injury. But if you've got some real quality or or options coming off the bench, it's so important for the team. You know, sometimes you just, you, a centre forward, it might not be working for you today. The, the, the centre half might have, you, have your number and you're not suited to play against him. He comes off, you bring another centre forward on, and it might be his day. And they're hungry to prove to the manager that he should that that person should be playing. So, you know, you need a strong bench in any football club. Mm. Now, you, you wouldn't call either Anderson or um, or Frey kind of young upcoming prospects, would you? They're kind of you know 
Well, the senior in, in their late twenties, which I, sh- I guess shows where Rangers are in terms of what they need to kind of stay in the division. Well, I think you know we, the, the club has talked about over the last three or four years signing younger players to develop and to sell on, you know, to, to sort of make money to, you know, to be sustainable and uh, and that. But you know, the situation we're in this season is, you know, we ain't got time. We haven't got time to develop players at this at this stage of the season. We need experience. The manager's gone for experience, and and in, and the player, especially Anderson, that he knows to get us out of this mess. So, you know, be interesting to see. Um, I just I just hopefully they can hit the ground running and stay fit. That's just my only concern when when I mm. when I hear players haven't played that long for for a, a long time. It's it's just when you you play a 90 minutes and then there's a Tuesday game and you just pick up, you know, that little niggly injury and it, and it can keep you out for two or three weeks and, and you get into that cycle. So I just, I'm sure the manager knows this and the medical team know this. And I think there'll be more at the moment in the next maybe month, there'll be more um, playing from the bench and trying to be an impact. Yeah. And I think, you know, people need to have a bit of patience there as well. I mean, you know, patience is in short supply given the, the situation, but uh, I mean, I remember um, going out to a game at Barnsley and Rangers got beaten 2 1. And Heide Helgerson was playing up front, and he was obviously unfit. He didn't look, they'd signed him, I think, round about deadline daytime, and it was in the last part of the season, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he was getting absolutely battered by you know, you waste of money, you're this, you're that, and he wasn't fit. And then he went on to become, you know, one of the best strikers the club have had in sort of modern day times. He was a fantastic player. You could see he was going to be a good player, but he just needed time to get fit. And I think, you know, it's, it's, I'm not saying Frey's going to be as good as Heide Helgerson, but people are it's just, him. But Ian, it's so important, you know, the, the difference between fit and match fitness. Yeah. Hmm. It's, it's chalk and cheese. To be, you know, you can... I, you can go do all your training in the gym and whatever, but like you, you go go out even in training and then say you've been out for two or three weeks injured and you get back to training the first day, your feet don't move quick like you want it to and you're just a little bit off. But then that will take like maybe a three or four days, five days of training, like good solid training. Then you get into a match situation and you're feeling a little bit the same and it takes three or four, you know, you want to make a run and that run is a struggle. Where in five games time, that run is just nothing. You just do it, and that's the difference between match fitness and and training fitness. Yeah. So just just in terms of the um, the signings, I mean, Christian Neri, the, the CEO, gave a kind of detailed interview on the the club website, to, you know, describing what they did and you know how they with with modern day scouting. I mean, he, he talked about sort of scouting screens and data analysis and all that and. It's very different now. The whole kind of um, the whole scouting to like scouts wearing dirty rain max sitting there with a notebook, sort of saying the boy's got a good left peg and all that. I mean, you do it for a living. What what what's the kind of how does scouting work now? Is it it's a lot more detailed and are you feeding information in the computer? How does how does it all work? Well, it's look. There's there's two ways. Some clubs just do it on um, on stats and. And stuff like that, where some clubs will 
do it on stats and watching. Now, a great thing of like if you if you scout if you and and there's no right or wrong wrong way if that's what you want to do and you get success out of it, do it the way you want. But if you just do, in my opinion, if you do it just on stats, so if you have a centre forward at the club, yeah, and you think you need another centre forward at the club and you're going to play two centre forwards. And on the stats, it says his goals and his his um, he wins these headers and he makes these runs. Yeah, but if you put and you sign that player, and if you put those two centre forwards together, and they're so similar, it ain't going to work. Do you understand? Mm. It's not going to. I don't think it will work if you're playing two centre forwards who both want to come towards the ball and hold it up. It ain't really going to work. You you want a centre forward. He wants to come and hold it up, or and another and uh, and and his partner to maybe run in behind to stretch the play. <clears throat> if a centre forward is uh, the two centre forwards are occupying the back post all the time, that's not going to work. So you got your stats, and then you got you got you got people who do. I I, I think you do it on both. You have your stats as well, and then you go and, you go and watch, or you go and watch and say this player is good. Let's see what his stats are like. Luckily, and I'm not talking about just stats as in goals i'm talking about runs how many sprints he makes how many you know if you're defending how many tackles you can have a defender a center half who is he wins it will say he wins 80 percent of his headers in a game but if them 80 percent headers are mainly won from goal kicks and he doesn't win any headers from crosses what's more important hmm. the stats will tell you he wins 80 percent of his headers but it doesn't tell you what position you have to know what position you win the, um, the the headers from. So if you don't win any headers from across or from corners, which QPR haven't been, they've sorted it out in the last last bit. But we were we weren't winning any headers from um, corners against. Uh, that's not a great stat. But the centre halves are winning all the headers from goal kicks. What's more important? <coughs> so it's a, bit, a bit a bit of that. But regarding the signings of QPR, the, the manager obviously knows Anderson. So that's that signing is on him. Uh, Hayden Isaac Hayden has been on our radar for ages. I would say the agent has rang up and said, "Look, are you still interested? He wants to come." Uh, Michael Frey, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of deals being done with agents ringing up, and then you sort of, you know, this this man's available. Do you fancy him? I know you need a centre forward. There's phone calls going back and forth, back and forth. And then you'll go to your stats people at the club. What's his stats? And then there's a case of, look, QPR, every football club's got their budget. And if you can afford him, does he want to come? Can we afford him? Can we afford his wages? Does he fit into our, uh, our financial structure? And there's so many permutations. Is there other clubs in for that player? Does he want to go here or is this his best option? Does he want to come to London or does he want to go and live in Norwich? You know, London's got a big pool with foreign players. Massive. So um, there's so many permutations of signing of players and, and, what, and what you go through. You know, a lot of times there'll be, where I work, is you, you sign a player, you've probably watched him 10 to 20 times. Yeah. So, and that's what happens to get it right. Because there's a lot, there's a lot of money there's a lot of money involved and you need to get your signings right. And you can't get all your signings right. And I understand that. That's no. But you, if you do 10 signings, 
it's if you do ten signings, I believe if you get seven right, you've done really well. Mm. Because you know some people don't settle; they can pick up an injury. It just don't suit them. And the main, and this is the main one as well about stats and this. You need to know what his attitude's like. Mm. That is the biggest. You don't want to be signing a player who comes in and is absolutely awful in the dressing room. <clears throat> and this is a case of not stats. This is a case of you're ringing up previous managers. What's this? What's he like? You're ringing up everyone. What's he like? Good trainer. Uh, is he okay off the pitch? Is he any problems? That is his, probably the most important thing. Attitude. And is he a good lad? I mean, it, it, I mean it's obvious that that phone call, everything wasn't made about Taylor Richards last year. Um, well, I mean, I was, talking, I was talking to an agent last week and and saying that he, he's basically been blackballed in football. That no one, to get him out of the club, they're going to have to try and get him abroad, but no one's going to touch him. And well, you know, he, he needs to sort. He needs to, you know, he's on under four managers now, and none of them have got a tune out of him. Um, there's, you know, real red flags about his attitude, his performances, and you know, and they spent a bit of money on him as well. It's been, you know, it's not a great look for the club, sort of recruitment-wise. And that is, and it's not, it's not on ability. It's on attitude and application. So. You know, you have to get, you have to do your homework. And your homework is mainly, it starts with bringing up previous managers, previous coaches, people that you know that have coached or worked under under these players and what are they like. And then some managers will think, and their egos will be big enough to think, well, I can change him. I can change this lad. I can do this. At the moment, for Taylor Richards, like you said, four managers and almost no one can seem to change him. Mm. Yeah, the only person who can do it is himself. Yeah. Um, so, but Fuentes, he, he kind of he's starting to sort of make his mark on the team in some ways. So, I mean, Osman Kakai, that's it. He looks like you know he hasn't featured in even the squad since that Millwall defeat on Boxing Day. You know, and Dazelle's days were numbered after the um, the loss to Cardiff at home. And you know, I saw some stats the other day actually, which were were quite interesting. That you know. With Stavrentis in charge, Rangers will be mid-table. You know, they've really he tightened them up defensively. But, you know, they seem to be heading in the right direction. But it's a case of just, you know, not having that one step forward, two steps back. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to be... I mean, big game on Saturday. Really good performance against Blackburn. You need to have some consistency to replicate those good performances and carry it on for the season. Uh, it'll be. I probably. He'll, I think he'll be happy with when he looks over and, during the match that the bench is a lot stronger. That he can change it. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's going to be a really exciting <laughs> last two two and a half three months to the season, and uh, just hopefully we can get out of it. And I think we have got a good chance. I I, I believed if uh, I would have been really worried if we had lost on Saturday against Blackburn. Mm. But that was that's a that could be a season defining result. Yeah. Okay. So Norwich are the visitors on Saturday. Um, historically, the, the Norwich City brings back nightmares to keep the fans of a certain vintage. Yeah. The 1976 team they lost to uh, didn't, were denied the league title thanks to a defeat at Norwich, and 
they were sort of a team that Rangers play very regularly <laughs> over the years. I think I think Ipswich and Norwich are the team that QPR played most in their history, if I'm not mistaken. Um, well, I'm looking yeah, here at one point off the so they've got they've got something to yeah. play for, and they're in good form as well. They you know I think they they've beaten Hull away, which is a good result. They've beaten West Brom. They their only recent defeat in the last four I think was you know, narrow one nil at Leeds. Um, it's going to be a, a tricky game, but um, you know they. I mean, to be honest, like I did the game at Cairo early in the season, and that's a game Rangers should have won. You know they they must be looking at that videos of that and thinking you know we can appear we we, we got a good chance of you know getting something from this. Hundred percent. I'm a believer that there's three really good teams in the championship: Leicester, Southampton, Leeds, and they're the teams they got relegated. They've got the parachute payments. They've got real good squads. Other than and Ipswich have had a fantastic season, considering. Other than that, I think everyone's very sort of similar and on their day can beat each other, which has been proved over the season. Um, Norwich, they're one point off the playoffs. They've got. They've got something to play for. Obviously, they want to get get into that playoff situation towards the end of the season, and we've got obviously something to play for. So I think it will be a really good game, really good atmosphere because they always bring a good crowd with them. Norwich, they're well supported, but I do think we can get some sort of result out of them and uh, out of this game. And if we play like we have done against um, uh, Blackburn and and Millwall, but even Watford, where we created quite a lot of chances, I think we, we can get something. But it's another game, in we, especially at home, we can't, it's a must-not-lose yeah. must game. Yeah. It's a must-not-lose game. Obviously, a win is fantastic, but um, it's a must-not-lose game. Yeah. I think it's helped by, a, I think the game kicking off at three o'clock is a good thing. I think those sort of early morning starts don't really... I don't know why that is, because you, you think... With footballers, because they train at eleven o'clock in the morning, Kev, that kicking off at midday, one o'clock, would kind of. Well, I think it's a lot to do with the, the atmosphere yeah. and the fan. It's always always a little bit quieter during the day. Uh, being a fan, in you need to get to the pub a bit early on a half yeah. one, <laughs> <laughs> because the atmosphere is a little bit. It is. It always is, and 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 the players can feel it as well. And um, yeah, three o'clock. It's a, it's obviously, that's the time you want to play on a Saturday. But results-wise, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go one-one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get it to be. I'm going to tip Rangers to win one-nil, and it's going to be a very nervous kind of one-nil. Um, you know, and takes him into that Stoke game next Wednesday very nicely. That's that's my prediction: a one-nil win for Rangers. Um, Ending Norwich's good run of recent results and continuing QBR's good recent run of form. So there we are. Right, Kev, thank you very much, mate. Thanks for your time no as ever. And uh, thank you for joining us. And um, we'll see you again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? 
Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.